Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey guys, great to be with you today. So thankful to be able to hang out with you and share with you God's Word and, and just I mean, give you some, some, some things that I hope will help meet you where you are today. I mean, what are you looking for? Everybody's looking for something. Everybody's got something in their life that they wish was better. Uh, uh, maybe a missing piece in their life that they said, you know, if I just had this or if I just could find this, man, everything would work and come together perfectly. I don't know what that is for you. You know, it may be, uh, may, may, may be the winning numbers on a lottery ticket. Come on, somebody. Somebody asked, Pastor, would you take a tithe off that? You better, let me pray about that. Yes, I would. You better believe it. <laughs> you know, and yes, I mean, what is it? What's missing in your life? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's, you know, something, whatever it may be. I don't know what it is, but I believe everybody's looking for something. And as we, as we walk through the story today in the Gospel of Mark, we're talking about knowing God. Because I believe when you know God, you, you get to experience His life-changing power. And we want you to experience that. We want you to have a real personal relationship with the God who created you. The Bible says clearly that God made you. He created you, breathed air into you, and you became a living being. And he came here for you. He came through the person of Jesus Christ to reveal himself to you, to make himself known so that you can know him in a real personal and intimate way. And that's found through the person of Jesus Christ, the God man who gave his life for you and me on the cross. And then it's, it's, it's kind of revealed in our life, sealed in our life through the Holy Spirit of God. All of those things, all of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come together to, to work powerfully in and through your life. And so today, I just want to talk to you really about what does real faith look like? What is it? Because it, it's, it's deeper, it goes deeper than just the surface level. I mean, you know, if we talk about what people are looking for, I think you can go to social media and it feels like when you go on social media, Instagram, Facebook, you know, those kind of things, maybe not Twitter, because it feels like today everybody's angry on Twitter. Everybody's got opinions and things like that. But when I go to Instagram and I go to Facebook, I, I see people, I see the best version of people. Very seldom do you go and, and on either of those avenues and find people that are sad, downcast, depressed, and saying, I'm just having a terrible life. I'm living in a terrible place. Most of the things that you see, people are posting positive, uplifting, they're, they're happy. And, and sometimes we can look at that and we think, wow, they are living their best life. Wow, they look so happy. Wow, they look so peaceful. Wow, they look so much different than me. And I don't see their difficult times. I don't see their hard moments. And so I just think everything about their life is rosy and picture perfect when it's really not because we don't post the bad things and we share the good things. And when the average American today, and it's really not just an American, it's worldwide, the average person spends two and a half hours interacting on social media a day, a day. 
Wow, that's incredible. And so we begin to see and paint this picture that may not be totally accurate of the way other people live, and it makes us feel as though something's missing. Well, I think you see this. What people look like on the outside does not always match how they are doing on the inside. In the church world, we'll ask you, hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. But are you always really good or fine? No. I mean, if we were completely honest with people, most of the time we'd be like, no, I'm not okay. No, it's just awful. It just sucks to be me right now. I mean, I don't know how you would answer that question. But really, we don't. I don't know that we really want to know. I was reading a devotion the other day, and a gentleman was telling a story about a man who came from a foreign country. And, and, and he really began to integrate himself into our society and our culture. And, and then they asked him, what are some of the things you've learned? And later on, he said this. He said, well, like, I, I, I come to realize that when someone asks me how I'm doing, they really don't want to know because everybody is good or fine. And they really don't want to stop and take the time to find out how I'm really doing. And so he, he, he just found himself being integrated into that same way of life. I'm good. I'm fine. Well, here's reality. What people look like on the outside does not always match how they are doing on the inside. And so the question for you today, is something missing? Is something missing in your life today? Today, we're going to look at a gentleman that I believe we see that. We see that. I mean, last week we talked about, or two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus just could not get it. Knowing God personally, I just don't get it. Being born again, I just don't get it. Last week we talked about different kind of scenarios from disciples on a boat with Jesus sleeping in a storm to a naked guy that's demon-possessed to a lady that's got uh, uh, physical infirmities and issues and then a man whose daughter's dying. All of them had the same thing. They needed Jesus. And, and today we see a guy that we don't know his name. We know three things about his life. We know that he's rich. We know that he's young and we know that he's a ruler. The story of the rich young ruler. The story is found in Matthew, Mark and Luke. It's all told in, it's told in all three of those gospels. And it's a really good story to be able to see about a man's encounter with Jesus and something that's missing in his life. You see four things. You see the first three, he came to the right person. He asked the right question. He was given the right answer. Now, what does he do with that? The first thing that we see is this guy came to the right person. Mark chapter 10, verse number 17 is where we begin. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So as Jesus was preparing to go on a journey, a man ran up to him. And now where we get the idea that he's the rich young ruler, I'm not real sure, but you know, it didn't really say those things in the story. We know that he's wealthy. We know that he has influence, but he's a young guy. And so this guy is living the Jerusalem dream. I'm telling you, he has got everything you can imagine. This is the way I'm picturing this guy. I'm picturing a young man 
who has made it in life. I mean, he has made some great decisions, some wise investments. He's kind of a go-getter. You can see him. He doesn't mind interacting with people. And man, he has hit it big. And he's got some influence because of that. And so he doesn't mind having conversations. And so that's just kind of the guy I picture him to be. He's a real go-getter. And we said we know that the very first thing he did, when, you're, when something's missing in your life, I think it's important to go to the right people to find the answers. Henry Blackaby said this in the, in the Bible study, Experiencing God. He says, God speaks in five ways today. He speaks primarily through his word. Then he speaks through prayer. Then he speaks through the church. Then God will speak through counsel godly, wise counsel, and finally through our circumstances in order to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. We turn that around. We first let our circumstances dictate to us whether or not God is pleased. Then we might go and get some help. It doesn't have to be godly counsel. It can be any kind of counsel, especially if it lines up with the way we're thinking. Then if it really gets bad, we'll pray about it and go to church. If it's really awful, we'll start reading the Bible. And a lot of times we just do this kind of stuff. We go, God, speak to me. Job, no, God, speak again. You know, and that's just kind of the way we do we do those things, and, and we're missing the way God wants to speak today. He's going to speak primarily through His Word. God's also going to speak in our prayer time when we're quiet before Him and listening. God is going to speak through the church. He's going to speak through moments like this. And then He's going to speak through some godly, wise counsel. And then finally, circumstances. I don't know what's going on in this young man's life, but something is happening. Otherwise, why would he do this? He doesn't just come up to Jesus. He kneels down before him. A man in this culture with this type of status would never do that. A young man that's prideful, probably a little cocky and arrogant, would not do this. You know why? Because he likes the fact that people come and bow down to him. You see, something, something not right in this story. Something is missing. Otherwise, why would he do this? See, when you get to a place in life where something's not working right, I think one of the greatest things you could do is go to the right people for help. Who better than Jesus? I mean, he's probably asking the question, if God is so good, why is this happening to me? Because here's reality. God may always be good, but life isn't always good. God is good, but life always isn't. And so in this story, we begin to see some, 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 just some, a lot of things about this man's life and truths that come out in God's word. I love Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2, the first 10 verses are a great resource for us to just really soak in and experience our life away from God, God's love for us, and what our life can look like with Him. Look at what he says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, and you, Paul is writing this to us, he's writing this to the church in Ephesus, he says, you were dead 
You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens. He's talking about the devil, the spirit now working in the disobedient. Paul's just saying this to a group of people. Remember, you were dead. He said, you weren't just, you weren't just like sinners. You're dead in your sin. You're just dead in that. And you used to live a certain way. Now, obviously, it's communicating that they're not living that way now. But he's saying, I'm reminding you of where you were. And you came to the right person. It's, in, it's, it's really leading us there that something has changed in these people's lives. This is what we see in this. You cannot have peace and do as you please. In life, it's just not possible. You cannot have peace, total lasting peace, and still do as you please. The story in this guy's life, something's missing, and he came to the right person. He didn't just come to the right person. He also asked the right question. Go back to the same verse. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before Jesus, and asked him, good teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This guy came to the right person, and he asked the right question. I mean, if you could have a moment with Jesus, if you could have a moment with the president of the United States, the governor, the, whoever you may think to be one of the most influential people in the world, what would you ask that person? What would you say? If you just had one thing you could say or ask, what would it be? This man has a need in his life. He had an opportunity to get before Jesus. He had enough audacity and gumption and passion about him to get to Jesus. He really didn't care what people thought. This guy had people kneeling down before him, but now he bows down before Jesus, and he says, good teacher, a sign of respect. A sign of respect is given good teacher. What must I do? See, the international assumption of the world is that good people go to heaven. It's this assumption that there is a good God who loves good people, and he lets good people go to heaven to be with him. And we're that. Because I don't think anybody looks today at themselves and says, I'm a bad person. We don't do that. And so here, the, the story, the problem with that is that every once in a while, something happens that changes that. Why do good things happen to bad people? Here in this story, the guy asks the right question. He's asking about eternal life. He's getting it wrong a little bit because he says, what must I do? We'll get to that in a minute. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 3, Paul is writing and he said, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires. 
We lived among the world in our fleshly desires. We were carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and our thoughts. We were doing the things that everybody else was doing, but something was missing. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were as well. See, religion commands us to change our behavior, but it can never change our heart. Every major world religion cries out for us to do something in order to, 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 to get to heaven. With the exception of Christianity, everything, everything else is about what we do. It's about what we do to get there, to meet, to, to meet this status of goodness on our own. Well, that's what religion asks of us. It says, change your behavior. But one thing religion can't do is change your heart. And so here's the man that's got something missing in his life. He comes to the right person. It's Jesus. Who better to go to? He asks him the right question. What must I do to have eternal life? I want to have eternal life. What do I do? He even gets the right answer. Jesus is not going to lie. He's going to give you the right answer, and that's what he does here. Jesus says, why do you call me good? He said, because no one is good but one, and that one is God. See, it was a belief in their culture that, and that's what Jesus is saying, there's only one that is good. God is good. We learned that as a kid. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food, and we'll go ahead and pray for our food. But here, here, it, it, the Bible tells us this. There's not anybody on this earth that's good, not even one. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God has a standard, and it's like an archer shooting an arrow that constantly, every time, falls short and misses the mark. We can't hit it because we can't be good enough to hit that standard. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? If there's no one that is good, only God, then that is a word that is reserved for him. It's a test. Because the gentleman could have answered and said, because you are God. Nobody can do and say the things that you do unless God is with him. That's what Nicodemus said to Jesus. But the man is silent. Jesus goes on. He says, you know the commandments, Right? You know the commandments, the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, the Ten Commandments, who they are to him. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud your neighbor and honor your father and mother. Well, that's some of them, but that's not all of them. Jesus left out the first four. The first four that deal with our relationship with God what Jesus is using here are the ones that deal with our relationship with man. But he still left one out. The young man said to him, Teacher, do you see what he just did? See what's missing? He didn't say good teacher anymore. Because in this young man's eyes, Jesus is a holy man but he's not the God-man. Teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. 
See, his problem is that he thinks goodness is the same as godliness. And it's not. See, this young man doesn't see himself as a sinner. He sees himself as a good man. I have kept all of these from my youth. But here's the question. Have you kept them perfectly? Because no one's kept them perfectly. I'll ask you, have you kept these perfectly? Do not murder. Well, I'm here. I'm not in jail. I hadn't murdered anybody. Do not commit adultery. Well, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. You do, have you ever stolen? Do you not bear false witness? Have you ever lied? Do not defraud another. Honor your father and mother. Yep, that got all of us right there. But see, what Jesus did when he came to earth, he leveled the playing field. Because remember we said this earlier, see, people create this outside persona that looks good and fine. but The inside is not always that way. And what Jesus did on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 7, and 8, he said, well, you've heard it said, do not commit, adult, uh, do not commit murder, but I say... If you have hatred in your heart, or have you ever thought about it, or have you just ever said the thought things in your mind? He said, you've created, you've committed it in your heart. Commit adultery? You may have never committed adultery, but have you ever looked lustfully on someone else? Then you've committed it in your heart. What Jesus is saying is, everybody is guilty. You're guilty. I'm guilty. This man was guilty. And this guy didn't see it. I've kept all of these since my youth. The young man thought he could do enough on his own to settle his account with the holy God. You can't do enough on your own to settle your own account with the holy God. We're not holy enough because goodness doesn't equal godliness. See, the law, the law of Moses Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It was a a bedrock. It was a foundation for the Jewish people. See, but it, it can't make people holy. The law of God. The law is like a mirror. The law is a mirror that that shows you your reflection. It's just, it just shows us who we are. If we're dirty, if we're dirty, a mirror will reveal to you your dirtiness, but it can't clean you. A mirror can't do anything to make you clean. The mirror can only reveal what you currently are. It's just like the law of God. The law of God could not make a person clean. The law can bring a person to Jesus, but the law can't save a person. Only Jesus can do that. The law can bring a person to God, show them that something's wrong and missing, but the law can't save them. Only Jesus can do that. And that's where this man is. This man didn't see himself as a sinner. He measured obedience by external actions, not inward attitudes. Outwardly, he thought he was fine. Outwardly, he said, on a majority scale, I win. But this is where it changes. Remember, he came to the right person. He asked the right question, and he was given the right response. I love this. Then, looking at him, 
You want to make somebody uncomfortable? Just kind of stop today and just look at them. Walk up to them and get kind of real close to their personal space. Don't say anything. Just look at them. And I mean look at them in the eyes. Look deep. <laughs> you know what they're going to do? It's going to make them nervous. They're going to be like, hey, bro, what's up? Hey, dude, talk to me. Don't look. Just stare. <laughs> they're not going to take that for long. They're going to be like, bro, you're freaking me out. Jesus looking at him. Jesus loved him. Get this today. Don't miss this today. I don't know what may be missing in your life, if there's anything missing or you're struggling or going through a difficult time. Jesus loves you. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he said to him, okay, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. You want to have, you know what you must do to have eternal life? You lack one thing. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh man, wouldn't that be awesome for us to have an encounter with God and God say, just do this one thing. And you're good. What's he going to ask you to do? See, when Jesus looked at him, he looked inside of him. And he saw the one thing that was keeping him from a relationship with God. Some people will take this to the extreme and says, God wants you to sell everything you've got and come and follow him. Well, that may not be the case for you. But you see... Covetousness was a problem for this young man. Jesus didn't mention it in the other commandments. He said, this is what you lack. Go, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Come, follow me. What would you do? We don't, we don't know if he's married or not. We do know that he's got influence. We do know that he's a young man. We know that he's wealthy. Jesus said, this is what you're to do. Go sell it all. Give it away. Come follow A recent study was done in America showed that some 50% of people said they had prayed a prayer to believe that they're going to heaven. However, over half of those people say they have no regular presence or activity of God in their life. Over two-thirds of those people say that their lifestyle and their worldviews match those who don't believe in God at all. We've created a culture, I'm afraid, where people are comfortable calling themselves Christians. But they've never really experienced the transforming power of Jesus. Is that you? Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
Did you know that? God is rich in mercy. Because of His great love that He has for us. Made us alive with the Messiah even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. I think you see this today. You will never find true peace apart from Christ. You might find some shades of it here and there, but you'll never find true lasting peace apart from Jesus. And so what do we see? We see that this man was missing something, but he came to the right person. He asked the right question. Jesus isn't going to give you the wrong answer. He's God. He gave him the right answer. Many people say that Mark chapter 17, verse 22 is the saddest verse in all of the Bible. Because even though this man came to the right person, he asked the right question and was given the right answer. What do we see? He gave the wrong response. He gave the wrong response. But he was stunned at this demand. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Why did he go away grieving? I think it's simple. Jesus gave him the exact answer that he asked for. It just wasn't what he wanted to hear. Well, don't we see that in our culture today? See, people want to find acceptance. They want to find inclusion. But they want it on their terms. And if you don't agree with it, if you don't back it up, and all of a sudden you're a racist or a hate monger or you're this or that, and the woke culture rises up against you. Listen, he may not always tell us what we want to hear, but he is going to tell us what we need to hear. And it'll always be told to us with grace, love, and mercy. But I promise you, it'll always be true. See, people just want a justification for how they think they should live their life, what they think they should do. And how dare anybody tell them otherwise? This man was stunned. And he left. We don't ever hear from this man again. Ephesians 2, verse number 8, for you are saved by grace, not by effort, not by works, not by thoughts, not by good ad, not, not, not by anything that you do. You're saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourself. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. See, the gospel is spelled out in four simple words. Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. Say that with me. Say, Jesus in my place. Say it again. Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. That is the gospel. It is not Jeff in his place. It's not somebody else in his place. It is Jesus in my place. What do we see in this today? Jesus is the missing piece. P-I-E-C-E, and he is the one who is the P-E-A-C-E that you are looking for today. All you have to do is simply say yes. 
take a step of faith. So what's missing? What's missing? Is there something missing today? What are you looking for? What do you need? What do you want? I believe every one of those answers will start in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. He's not going to open the door. He's going to ask you and wait for you to do that. He says if you'll open the door, he'll come in. He'll come in and he'll be everything you've ever wanted, needed, and desired. Say yes to him today. If you've never done that before, if you've never acknowledged Christ, asked him to be Savior, repented of your sin, accepted him into your life, turn that handle today. Open the door and let him in. Pray this with me if this is you. If you want to do that today, say, Jesus, I believe in you. God, I believe in you, and I believe you love me so much that you sent your son to be my savior. Jesus, forgive me for my sin by your grace. Restore me to you. Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. I am ready. I'm ready to follow you, and I say yes to you today. Amen. Hey, don't hold back. Take steps. At the end of this video, let us know. Respond to us and say, hey, I did it. I said yes today. Let us connect with you, follow up with you, help you get started in this new journey with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today. I pray that I led you to the right person. Hope you were able to ask the right question and get the right answer. Just always make sure you give the right response. Have a great day. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.